0: and goes. It depends upon the thought that you have that in fact um, uh, the pity only lasts as long as the thought about it. And so one example of pity that we all have that in fact uh, there is so much of ordinary life That is designed around that hit of a pity, all of sports, dating, um, getting degrees. We're all going around looking for the highs. We want high points in our life. We give a high five, all kinds of things, uh, related to that. Um, but. The high five as well as any of the highs don't last long. If in fact the high lasted, it wouldn't be a high, it would be a plateau. And so there are always going to be peaks. The question is, are you going to have the base ready for that um, um, hit or that, that high? And so um, I'll give you a a fairly long um, explanation or let us say example of that, because we've talked about it before. There are many, many sports. Name a sport. And the scoring is the point of that game. These games are almost always competitive. It can be anywhere from table tennis and and, uh, chess all the way up to soccer and football and uh, footy and uh, boxing and all of those kinds of sports have a point to them. And that is, is that when one opponent strikes a blow to harm the other opponent, everybody feels good on one side and everybody feels bad on the other. So here this guy is trucking down the football field with a football in his hand, and he just crosses the finish line or just calls the goal line. What now is he going to do? As soon as he finishes, he's going to take that hit. He's going to take that high. He's going to throw his arms in the air. He's going to yell and cheer. And not only that, but many of the people in the stands are going to yell and cheer also. That's why they paid in these days $100 for a ticket to go to these events so that they can get that high. And you also see that sometimes on television of having a bunch of guys uh, in the scene uh, sitting on the couch and around watching a football game and somebody scores and then they all stand and cheer and high five each other and everybody feels good. Right. This is kind of an ordinary thing, but this is what our life is built on, and it is chemical. It's a chemical thing that happens in the mind. Now, let's go to uh, a counterexample of that. Is one of the guys who went to the game, is there at the game, ready for all of that kind of stuff, where the football guy is going to run across the field, except that he is now turn to his wife and mention something and she shouts back at him and they get into a spat three or four or five seconds just before that touchdown. So that when he gets that touch, when the, uh, the sportsman gets the touchdown and everybody else is cheering, this guy that's having an argument with his wife and the wife themselves don't have that hit of dopamine. They don't have it. They're not ready for it. They're not looking at what's going on. And so this is the, uh, the, the point about being able to develop those kind of feelings, that kind of body chemistry while we're sitting on, you know, just sitting on the floor, sitting on a chair, sitting around, just doing absolutely nothing but paying attention to how good we feel, then occasionally a thought will come by like, wow, this is so great. And then we'll get that hit, that really strong peak. And then it'll come back down uh, into, the, uh, into the sukkah and stay there for a while. And then we'll have another thought and that peak will hit again. It's almost like a rush, except that it's not a rush of adrenaline. It's a rush of um, uh, serotonin. Probably is the uh, the correct word to use. But the um, serotonin.
1: Um, one thing it. I've noticed is that when I'm doing that, and just before that kick, that uh, even I'm sometimes having positive, unwholesome thoughts. Of the future, oh, like I'm going to have this, it's going to be, I'm going to be living really great. Just that's just an example or something that can help kick it off as well. It's not always, would that make sense? It doesn't always have to be wholesome thoughts in the present, but they are the main thoughts, the wholesome thoughts in the present. But you can have wholesome
0: thoughts, the wholesome thoughts have to be consistent. They have to be there one after another, after another. We have to apply the mind to the wholesome and sustain the wholesome. And here you are rocking along in the wholesome. And then you'll have another wholesome thought, which will then bring that hit. I mean, I can sit there and say, wow, this is really nice. On oh, Everything is okay and no place to go. And wow, this is so nice. And say it again, and it says, wow. This is sunrise so and that's okay. that peak. But I've noticed so okay. that
1: one one or two positive, unwholesome thoughts can come in and for me I help they help kick it off as well. But the main thoughts are wholesome thoughts if that makes sense. Okay. I have a question. Yes.
2: hmm Okay. So yes the other day, um this conversation reminds me of the other day I went to I went to the beach with my with uh, one of my good buddies and i was just having all around really fun time really wholesome time and i remember i was just sitting i was just sitting on the on the on the shore uh and just watching people play in the ocean and little kids play in the water and i was just completely satisfied so i was I was already in Jhana, but then when I sat there, it got um, really good to the point where it was like, um, I don't know, maybe like boundless uh, love or boundless consciousness or something. But it was so good that I was like, I don't want this to stop. And I was sad that it was over. <laughs> so then I was kind of. Well, I don't
0: I... want it to stop is the unwholesome thought. <laughs> right.
2: So like, how do.
0: It brings it down.
2: Yes, I realize this. So, like, and
0: the whole day. And too. then you can. But well, the next thought is, yeah, but it's not over. And then you can put yourself right back in there if you're if you're aware of what's going on,
1: if right. you're watching. Yeah, that, and I did do
2: that, and then, and then uh, I was having a good time uh, up until a point where we driving home, and then I say goodbye to my friend, and then I'm like, okay, it's the all that, the circumstances that seemed to bring about the happiness were over. So then I was, uh, kind of the same unwholesome thought came in. Uh, Oh, like I'm sad that it's over now. I don't want to stop. Whereas, um, I don't know how to keep it rolling, like keep it rolling into the night because, um, usually I'll wake up, sun is shining, uh, it's a brand new day. And it's easy to get into that first jhana, that wholesome state. But then sometimes when it when it's like nighttime and there's nothing left, there's nothing to do. There's it's just like uh, it kind of fizzles out sometimes for me.
0: And I don't know how to <laughs> you know. the fizzling out is the breathing. If you keep the breathing going, and later in the day, then in fact what you're talking about is the fact that people get tired during the day it just that just happens that you're fresh in the morning, but as you spend the day, so at the end of the day, that's when um the the last thing that we do is want to go back into the breathing for the last ten minutes um before we go to bed or go to sleep is that uh, is to bring it back up again so um. One of the things, then, that we can talk about is uh, there is a sutta, and the sutta is in the Anguttara Nikaya, in the wants. And uh, the sutta says, no, wait a minute, uh, it's in the threes. There is uh, three skills that are associated with first jhana. Now, when I heard about that sutta and, and, and understood it, I says, hot dog, there's got to be sutras like this for the other jhanas. Guess what? There's not. This is only talking about the first jhana because the skills to be developed can then be applied to the other jhanas, but we have to learn them in first jhana in order to get the first jhana. So the first skill to be developed for the jhana is being able to get into it and to be able to get into it easily by practicing going back into it over and over and over again so in that regard coming out of the jhana is not such a bad thing after Mm. all because the skill that we want to practice is going back into it that's Uh. exactly the same way with sati there's a lot of people think i have to be mindful all the time you can't be mindful all the time you don't want to be mindful all the time okay and that uh um that in fact we do want that openness so that we can get scattered all over the place to pick up new data when we need it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the the mindfulness comes back just at the time that we need it, which means that this is a time when an unwholesome thought comes in. We need to remember to look at that particular point of time or soon after before it goes downhill. So just like Shakti, is going to be developed so that it keeps coming back and keeps coming back and keeps coming back, but it goes away for periods of time. We're not worried about the time that it's gone. We're paying attention to bringing it back. The same thing then is true that in fact that Shakti now becomes a key element then in the first jhana. That we want to keep using that sati with the other skills associated with it to bring us back into first jhana over and over and over again. Okay? And that with that coming back over and over and over again, each time that we come into it, we add that hit of that pity. Yeah. We had we add that hit of pity. Oh, you've got a friend. Oh, he's in and out. Okay. That's my
2: brother, sorry.
0: Ah, okay. So uh, that's the first skill that we're going to develop is the skill of getting into it and getting into it and getting into it over and over and over again. And after we learn that skill, we've got now kind of a base. Okay, to remember, to put ourselves into a good state and then go do something else, you know. So we talk about it uh, in practice for about 10 minutes, several times a day. Actually, later as you're getting the skill, it doesn't take 10 minutes. It doesn't take five. Closer to about 20 seconds or so. And then down to about 10 seconds or so. But we need to practice it over and over and over again. To get the mind into that state to where, yeah, this is really good, this is satisfying, and hit that peak. So the next thing then is to develop the sustained, the applied and sustained thought that we want to learn to sustain this, which means that those times when we used to go out of it, we're going to postpone it a little bit. The unwholesome thought, we're going to catch those unwholesome thoughts. And then reclaim those back again as wholesome thoughts and maintain that first jhana and give a little hit again, a little peak again, over and over and over again. And then, then we keep coming back and keep coming back. And now the coming back is a very short distance because we didn't wander very far away. We're able to sustain this. And so something will happen, then we come back, and something will happen to come back. In the beginning, we get into it, and then something happens, (laughs) and maybe an hour later or so, we come back. Now we're going to be able to be sustained that when it leaves, it comes back. So in this regard, we have to now look at the third skill, which is the skill, and it's the surprising one, the skill of coming out of first John. Well, the skill of coming out, we just talked about the fact that it's not a skill to come out of first jhana at all. The skill of coming out of first jhana is to go into second jhana, which is now the last thing that we need to do is is the applied and sustained thoughts begin to melt away and we pay most particular attention to the feelings about how good we feel. And it doesn't take any language at all. Now, the the interesting point is is that these jhanas, we float in and out of them in, uh, in a few mind moments here and there. And so the sustained, the skill of staying out of it is basically just the quieting of the mind that we did already have to train. What is the training? Is wholesome thoughts. Wholesome thoughts. Wholesome thoughts, one wholesome thought after another, after another. And then what we can begin to do is put some gaps in between them. All right. Now, uh, before we go any further into this part, I would like to back up and talk about uh, something that the Buddha taught very early in his career. And that a lot of people don't understand it at all, and that is the issue of the middle path. The middle path is a middle path between two extremes. Now, uh, ordinarily, we think of the two extremes is uh, in the ordinary sense, they're the extremes of really extremes of either sensual desire, sensual pleasures like going to the sports, going to the uh, brothel, going out to get drunk, looking for entertainments that way, okay? Not necessarily sitting and listening to music, because in the time of the Buddha, they didn't have recorded music. Any any music that they had in the time of the Buddha had to be a live performance. And the live performance is not just the music. It was almost always a show. Okay, and so that's one of the ways of looking at sensual desires are the things that will pick us up and take us someplace to a crowd of people so that we can get a good hit of pleasure the way that they do. Because it's, out, it's in the sensual awareness or the sensual pleasures um, rather than the pleasures that you can create mentally in the first jhana. So, the other uh, extreme is the extreme of uh, torture, uh, flagellation, harm, and there's a middle balance between the two. But I would like to add a new dimension to this extreme here. And that is to say that ordinary, unwholesome thoughts are one extreme. Just like self-flatulation, you now you're not sticking yourself with, with real daggers, you're sticking yourself with mental daggers. And so in that regard, that means then that uh, the sensual pleasures that people are looking for would be the higher jhanas. Oh, First jhana is good, I want the second jhana, I want the third jhana, I want the fourth jhana. And so going up into the higher jhanas would be the other extreme. So the middle balance, the middle point winds up, the middle path is first jhana. Because that's the middle boundary, that's the middle path between no hindrances at all in the first jhana versus wanting more and more of these good feelings or to go off into unwholesome mind states. Okay. So when we're talking about developing the skill of coming out of the first jhana, that's also the skill of going back into first jhana when we are in the higher jhanas, because most happens what happens with people when they do get to the higher jhana, they will fall out all the way out of any jhanas, back into hindrances. The question is, if you're going to start working with the second jhana, that you have to make your boundaries, or let us say your base, so strong and so solid that when you come out of the second jhana, the only place you can go is back into first jhana. Okay. And how we do that is by coming back to the applied and sustained thoughts, of coming back to make sure that when the mind starts back up, that it comes back with wholesome thoughts. One wholesome thought after another, wholesome thought after another, wholesome thought. So with that uh, wholesome thinking, that becomes the base of operation, and we want to get into that state as often as we can and sustain it, as best we can, because that will give us all of the skills that we need. Now there is a story about this. It's in the Sutra number nineteen in the Majjhima Nikaya, and surprisingly enough, the uh, the Sutra is um, named two kinds of thought. To where the unwholesome thoughts are talked about first, in the sense of uh, greed, ill will, and cruelty. That we are often cruel to ourselves. We are often cruel to other people. How are we cruel to ourselves is by saying, oh, you can't do it. Or, oh, this is too hard. Or, oh, I'm not up to it. This, this is kind of a cruel way of treating ourselves. Wanting things that we don't have, et cetera, like that. So there's all these kind of unwholesome thoughts. And that we need to change them to wholesome thoughts. Now, in this um, sutta, the Buddha has a story. It's the story about the cowherd. And the cowherd um, has to take the cows out in the morning out to the pasture where he can. Um Laurent's joining in. I'll just go ahead and add him. Hey, bigger party. Hell no, I'm not. So I thought I'd go ahead and add you to the call. We've just gotten going. Uh, I just got started on a suta. So this is Scott. And this is Dean. He's in France. Uh,
1: We've had a
2: call before. Me and uh, Lauren have been on a call. And... uh... We've been talking a little bit, so we know. I know right.
0: this guy's. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're, it's good to have friends, that noble friends. So uh, no, I, I won't give too much of a review, but just let you catch into where we're talking now about Sutta number 19 in the Majjhima Nikaya: two kinds of thoughts. And in that Sutta, He talks first about about what are unwholesome thoughts, and then what are wholesome thoughts. And then he talks about a cow herd, and the cow herd has to take his cows out to pasture early in the morning. And along the way, he has to pass through um, a crowded area where they have food stalls, maybe a little uh, community or something. Now, this is back in the ancient times. This is not drovers with big thousands of cows going on the cattle train. This is just one guy with maybe six or so, half a dozen cows. And in order to get them out to the pasture, he has a big stick, a walking stick. And when the cows go through the area where uh, he has to keep track of them, you see, if the cows start eating the carrots on the the, uh, food stall, or if they run into somebody's laundry, or if they step on a child or whatever like that, then the cowherd's going to be in a lot of trouble. And so he has to make sure that he's watching those cows very, very carefully. And when one of those cows tries to get a piece of food or is getting off the, uh, the, the trail, he'll take that cane, that's the walking stick, and whack them to tell that cow, don't eat that or to whack them to tell them, don't uh, step on that child. Watch where you're going now. After they get through that crowded area out to the pasture, the cows now can settle down by standing there, putting their heads down and starting to graze while they are grazing. They're not dangerous. And so now the cowherd does not have to stand there with them, whacking them because they're, they've got their heads down. He can go sit down under a tree and just kind of watch over them to make sure that they've got their heads down. That if a cow raises his head and starts looking around, the cowherd needs to know that. But so long as the cows have their heads down grazing, he can take a rest. He can go sit down put his stick down, and merely watch the cows. All right? So this is the story that the Buddha tells in the sense of that when uh, the mind is um, in the normal state, that's like all of our uh, cows of our thoughts are in danger of doing something that causes some harm, some unwholesome behavior in the mind. And so we want to actually whack the mind in a way hit it, okay? But when he hits those cows in that story, he's not actually harming the cows, but he's giving them a good solid whack to get them to stop doing what they're doing. And so this is actually what we mean then, that that whack is the applying the mind to the wholesome to wake it up and get it into the wholesome state, to whack the mind. But after the mind now is wholesome because we whacked it, and whacked it and whacked it and whacked it and whacked it and now it has one wholesome thought after another after another and the cows have their heads down and they're grazing. That means that now we can begin to put some gaps in those wholesome thoughts so that we can just be there and enjoy The moment. In other words, we actually now in second jhana are actually experiencing how good we feel. In other words, we're actually paying attention rather than first jhana is very much like talking ourselves into feeling good and talking ourselves into feeling good and talking ourselves into or not into but talking ourselves about how good it is, talking ourselves about how great it is, and using the language of the mind to do that but when the when the feelings are so spectacular and you feel so good now we begin to spend more and more mind moments not thinking about how good we feel but actually experiencing how good we feel so this is the second jhana now there is actually some things that we can do that can bring this on one of the things that we can do surprisingly enough is use the breath and we're already using the mind. So the mind and the breath, again, is how we're going to get the body into this, uh, or the, the feelings into this state. Uh, we're going to use uh, the breathing as a technique. And we're going to use the mind also. In fact, we can think of it like this, that the, uh, the mind for an ordinary person, It's just wild. It can go anywhere like a horse can go anywhere that it wants to. There's no boundaries. There's no fences in the old days. But what the farmer does, he comes in and puts fencing in and keeps the horse in a pasture. And this would be like having wholesome thoughts. Is keeping a horse in a pasture so that it doesn't get out and doesn't have a chance to go into unwholesome states, which means also he doesn't have a chance to... Uh, harm himself or to cause damage. And so now the next point is putting the horse into a corral, a smaller fenced in place. And this is where we begin, begin to really guard the mind door in the sense of having only a little bit of thought to think about, that we're going to keep the thought in this particular area. An example of that would be. Chanting, Uh, so that we're keeping the mind in a particular little area to get the mind really focused. So chanting has that quality to it, or also getting yourself a fixed small group of things that you're going to say. Write yourself a little poem. And then repeat that poem over and over and over again to keep the mind down into that corral. But every line of that poem has to be wholesome. And then the next part is, is using the breath with this. So now that we've got the mind in the corral, the next thing we're going to do with it is put it into a stall. But before we do that, we're going to start using the breathing also in the sense of uh, beginning to peg the language that we're using to the breathing. So, uh, in, in fact, any musician or any singer or any chanter knows that they have when they're doing the chanting that the breathing is done with it when you're chanting out loud. But when we're just sitting, and repeating something over and over again, we begin to forget about the breath. So now we want to tie the breathing into this corral in the sense of that this part of the line or this first line is in an in-breath and the second line is on the out-breath. Then the next line is on an in-breath and the next line is on an out-breath like that. Okay, so then the next one would be into a tighter stall than that, and that would be with a mantra, like a boo So boo on the in-breath or do on the out-breath. Boo-do. And now we've gotten the mind really, really attached to uh, sustaining it on just one little thing over and over and over again, boo-do. Boo on the in-breath, dough on the out-breath. And there's many, many different kinds. Coca on the in-breath, Cola on the out-breath, if you like Western mantras. There's all kinds of mantras that you can have. Um, so as we do that, we begin also to peg the breath, knowing that there's going to be a space. Always we've been working with a space between the out-breath and the in-breath. So the way that we're now going to enter the second jhana is going to be as we breathe in boo and then as we breathe out do we're going to hold that out breath and we're not going to let the in breath come in until it uh, a later time and basically we're now going to then tag the out breath to stop at the end of the outbreath and not start up again until the mind starts up. So this mind, the next boo, and the next inbreath work together. And then at the end of the outbreath, at the end of the dough, we leave it and let the mind settle. Now something really surprising happens when that when you get the mind to actually stop and you recognize that it has stopped. Normally, what happens is a really, really big hit, a dopamine or serotonin or whatever. Yippee! (laughs) And you really, really love the fact that you've actually been able to stop the mind. But guess what? By saying yippee or starting happening, you start talking to yourself and you fall out of that second jhana. The likelihood is that we're going to fall all the way out. So the next thing we have to do is to come back and get the mind into a wholesome state again and progress again. So this is how we practice. This is that third skill of how to come out of the second or first jhana is with this state of quieting the mind by corralling it. First it's in a pasture, it can go anywhere. First jhana is like putting it into a, a corral. And then later, as we're really getting good, uh, excuse me, into a pasture. And later, when we get really good with the first jhana, we put it into a corral. And then as we enter the second jhana, we put it into a stall. where That horse is not going anywhere. That mind is not going anywhere. It's going to stay there until the next in-breath. And so this is how we practice using the breathing To bring that feeling of, wow, this is amazing that I can actually stop the mind. That it's quiet. But yet, it's not because the recognition of that is still there. But in the second jhana, we're now uh, abandoning the talking. But in order to abandon the talking, we have to go through this applied and sustained and applied and sustained to train the mind that it can't go anywhere with any kind of thought. That first off, it's got to have just wholesome thoughts. And then we put it down into a very, very tight little package. Then we put it down into just one word, boo, do, boo, do. And then that is easy enough to stop doing. I mean, if you look at it this way, <laughs> if you can in fact get the mind into a wholesome state, you have eliminated about two thirds of all the words that you could possibly use. Right? You've really, really narrowed it down to uh, to only a small, let's say, book size uh, dictionary, rather than a Webster style dictionary. We're getting it down to that. Okay, and then we can get that one down to just a page. Then we can get that down to just two words. And now getting rid of just two words is easy enough because look how many words we got rid of when we threw out unwholesome thoughts. And so this is the way that we begin to work with the mind to get the mind to actually stop. And when the mind is stopped, there is nothing left to do but to luxuriate In the fact that your mind is stopped and you can feel marvelous because you're paying attention to how good you feel. So do we have any questions about this so far? Have I got you guys thoroughly confused? <laughs>
2: no, I've, I'm following you. I, I think that's an interesting way. I've never heard you talk about going from first to second jhana that way. Um, it's really useful.
0: Well, um, if you tell the wrong people, it's not going to do them any good, and you're going to forget about it by the end of the talk.
2: Right. Um,
0: but it when looks I, like at least a couple of you here is, are getting ready to understand what I'm talking about because you've actually experienced the first jhana. So now right. we can talk about it. So go ahead.
2: Previously, I would just, um, you know, keep sustaining first jhana. And then uh, there would just be like uh, moments or like some something like a wholesome thought or maybe a song lyric. Or something like that really strikes, and the goosebumps and the the feelings build to the point where they overwhelm it, and it kind of naturally evolves into um, second jhana. But I never thought about sort of like um, funneling it down to um, shorter and shorter thoughts that we're having until it's just one one thing budo, and then. That's really easy to stop doing. So that's cool.
0: Well, actually, you've mentioned lyrics for a song. That would be the chorale. But the only things that you're going to think about are the lyrics of that song. Ah. Okay, and you keep the mind very, very tight in, that, in, that, in the lyrics of that song. And don't let the mind go out of there. And that's the preliminary step then to go into the second jhana I mean, is the next step is down to just a few words, just just you know, less than one line, four or five words at the most. Something like Om Nama on the in breath and Shavai. Om Nama Shavai. Om Nama Shavai. Okay, now that om you already know. Nama the name, and Shivaya is actually Shiva. So this is uh, homage to Shiva, is what that means. And it doesn't matter what it actually, the definitions of it is, it's what it means to the student. So many little Hindu boys can learn to do this second jhana by using the mantra, Om Shivaya, but Westerners don't, because it doesn't mean anything to you.
1: That's
2: interesting you said that because I was listening to that exact mantra like when I was into like Advaita and stuff like that that was one that uh, I would listen to and I had a pretty uh, Janaic experience on it but I would didn't really know about the Janas at that time but uh, mm-hmm. that it was that mantra it's Om Divaya Na yeah
0: uh huh well they do na. some of they do that in Buddhism in, in many, many places. This, this, these techniques are not unknown throughout Asia. That in fact, even Christian priests will get into a particular prayer and they just say that same prayer over and over and over in the end. And while they're doing that, the mind becomes trained in the wholesome. And then when they finish the prayer, they just sit there with no place to go and nothing to do, not even mentally, just experience being in the presence of God. The problem with that is is that it's not very educational. You see, that was the problem with the jhanas in the first place, that the Buddha practiced the jhanas and threw them out as not useful. Then he practiced the um, uh, self-fragulation, starving, feeding, uh, going everywhere barefoot, that kind of stuff. He still continued to to walk barefoot. I think that he stayed barefoot. That's actually a good practice. I I don't think that I've worn shoes in about two months now, because I can walk around the yard. I just have to watch where I'm stepping. <laughs> but uh, the the point is, is that the jhanas themselves, without the correct practice of what we're doing with it, it doesn't mean anything. In other words, uh, mm-hmm. here we're actually training to make the mind wholesome to where when people are practicing by doing prayers or doing the chanting of Buddhist or whatever they're chanting, if the people don't know that they're doing this to put the mind in a particular state, then it's almost always haphazard and accidental. They don't have much control over it because they don't know what they're doing. That's what the Buddha did was he made this stuff very, very systematic in order to get the mind in a wholesome state, a noble state, rather than having it haphazard the way that it does in most of the ways that that it's practiced. Uh, And so that was actually the uh, uh, the interesting one is when he recognized that <clears throat> the path to enlightenment is the first jhana, but that's it. The first jhana is the path, and then he says, why am I afraid of the sensual pleasures when the sensual pleasures of the first jhana are not the same as the sensual desires of going out to getting something that that has to do with material possessions as opposed to mental things. And so that's when he decided that the first jhana was in fact the basis for all of this. And that's when he began to say, well, how can I get myself back into the first jhana? Because he had already done all of that practice before. And that's when he began to understand about the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Noble Path, and most specifically Pati Samapada about how the mind works and why the four jhanas fit with Paticca samuppada so precisely well is because he was already skilled with these jhanas and knowing how the mind worked can take us away from uh, that that point. The average ordinary person will mm-hmm. have mental formations, creations in the mind. Those creations impact them wholesome or unwholesome, and then they have feelings about it of wants and desires, etc., like that, done ignorantly. And so the first practice with the first jhana is to wake up to the fact that you are creating that salayatana. you're the one who's making these thoughts, let's have some wholesome ones so that the wholesome thoughts ha- impact us so that we're not wanting things or hating things. And so that's the first step. In fact, the first jhana is half the job, if not two-thirds of the job, is to get the mind out of the second half of paticha samapada, which is going from feelings to wanting to clinging to going down the rat hole into unwholesome states where we get really selfish and miserable. And all of those secrets of events we can short-circuit because the thoughts themselves are wholesome. So after that, then we begin to recognize that, all. Oh, I should stop listening to all of the stuff that I carry around that's unwholesome out of the past and start putting wholesome stuff in there so that the wholesome is easier to come by. And so we then started working with the earlier parts of the teacher Samapada, most specifically the Sankara, And then we go down and start looking at perception itself. What is the mind doing? How do we create things in the mind? Because we begin to stop doing that. And that's what the fourth jhana is all about then, is uh, figuring out that the way to do it is to just stay in the present moment and receive the input at consciousness And don't bother to do a whole lot of figuring things out, which would be perception. And the way that we figure things out is from perception and uh, our past. We can't figure things out unless we put it together with the past. That if I come to this point here, how can I know that I'm going in this direction unless I've got past points of here? And here, so you begin to understand that we can create our past, and by creating a past, that influences this moment, which then means that we can um, create the future. Now, how do we create the past? Well, this moment, when it's over, becomes the past. That's how we create the past: is by having a very good, wholesome. Right now, we'll be able to create a wholesome past one time after another, after another, after another, and until pretty soon we have a a past. that's mostly wholesome, and all the unwholesome stuff is way long ago. It doesn't matter anymore because we're processing with current information. And so this is how we begin to control that Sankara. But then we recognize that even that, is still building up and creating a past the better thing to do is stay completely present in this moment without creating understanding just let the flood this is why i talk about it so much about just enjoy the show don't try to figure out who done it don't try to figure out what's coming let's just enjoy the show That, in fact, one of the things that I said a long time ago was that I know that Donald Trump is a liar, but at least he's entertaining. And now they're beginning to understand the reason why he's got such a following is not because of anything that he says. They like him because he's entertaining, and they didn't even know that. The followers of Donald Trump continue to follow him simply because they like how entertaining he is. Without understanding that an entertainer is not what you want as a president. And so this whole idea then of recognizing that just because we can entertain ourselves doesn't mean that that unwholesome stuff is not going to be there deep in the past, that we can get down to it. But it's better to only use recent past. But it's even better still to not use any of the past to just use the present moment, just having what's happening right now, with just enough perception to be satisfied with it. So this is, in fact, why the 4 noble, excuse me—the uh, the teaching of the teacher Samapada is so definitely wrapped up with the jhanas, is because when we're in these higher jhanas we experience how the mind works and what it's doing. That was what was missing in the old practice of these jhanas, was that, yeah, guys got into these really beautiful, mystical experiences, but they didn't know how to control them, and they weren't of much value because when they came out of the jhanas, they were just ordinary people. So the right way to use the jhanas is to actually begin to um, change our past by putting new good past in and then later stop processing altogether and just enjoy the show. And in that regard, the average ordinary jhana dude, just living out his life, he's going to be third, first jhana mixing three and four. jhanas up and down in various mind moments. He doesn't have to work to get these higher jhanas. Come, they come naturally. Uh, And uh, an example of that is just go outside and just look. Let your eyes gaze and just start taking in all the data that's there. And while you're taking that in, you're not thinking. If you start thinking, then you're thinking rather than looking. So long as you're just looking, then we're not processing it. Just receiving the data. And the first place that we start with is the one that's the most missing in our sensory input, because we're pretty good with our eyes. We, we become visual in almost everything. What we're missing is the experience of being in the here now with the body. It's almost like when we're in the eyes, we're separated from reality, that the reality is out there in the field of vision. But when we start processing in the sense of, experiencing what's happening we bring in sound we have the vision but mostly it's the body to feel the body to feel the gravity to feel the air pressure to feel the breeze to feel what's going on with the body that's what anapanasati is really all about That's third step of anapanasati is experiencing experiencing the body letting it feel really good so what's happening
1: guys? Scott. I was thinking about um how the main skill
2: still seems like um getting into first jhana when you're not in jhana because uh all these other skills are like refinements of the first jhana and like yes. I, like they they make sense to me when i'm in jhana and like they i have like those capabilities and those powers to like to discern those subtleties of minds and stuff like that and, d- and see the dependent origination of things but um when i'm out of jhana it's like if i try to like apply that same like skill it just it's just me like fabricating it and it doesn't really work so so then it just comes back down to can i get myself back into a wholesome state again can i get myself back into first jhana? and uh Mm -hmm. that so that (laughs) no matter how advanced it gets it seems like it just comes back to that and then but the thing you said earlier um struck me when you said uh like when you fall out of jhana, instead of like uh, griping about it, you can see it as an opportunity to like further develop that skill of like that skill of coming back into jhana. Like how quick can you get into it? Mm-hmm. So that's a good
1: takeaway I had. Excellent, Dean. What do you think? Yeah, I'm mute, Dean. On you. Oh, I can't really say. M- oh yeah, I know I'm real but I can't really say much there now because people are coming into work, so I'm going to have to hang up and I'll chat to you soon, okay? Uh, bye well,
0: we're we're just about finished, so one more minute. Uh, we can we can finish up because I think that we've had this. This is pretty heavy stuff that we're talking about right now, and I'm really glad to have an opportunity to share it with you guys. What do you think all right
2: yeah very interesting and uh it comes uh right at the the best time because i was wondering uh like uh where to go next because my practice is going uh great i mean i'm feeling good
0: first
1: jana and uh i know
0: we got dama dudes one because if i knew you were ready
1: oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, is he frozen for you guys? Oh, okay. Oh, there yeah.
0: You okay, you're back. <laughs> you're
2: break. You're breaking up a little.
0: Okay, guys. Uh, I'm I'm back on. I thought. Okay, yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, I've got something here. So. Anyway, I'm back again. Uh. So thank you guys so much. This has been a real joy. I hope that this will be say, of benefit to you.
2: <laughs> you are gonna say something, you, you were gonna say, you said, I knew, and then you broke out. What were you gonna,
0: what were oh. you saying? I okay. said, I I knew uh, that uh, Laurent would be able to uh, uh, get some value out of this because of his, yeah. uh, if he were a brand new student, I wouldn't have added him to the call. And so it's kind of serendipitous or uh, uh, coincidental that all three of you are ready for this particular call today. Yeah.
2: High five, guys.
0: See you.
1: <laughs> Enjoy. Budo. I'll,
2: I'll do that one. Thanks, Tom Rota.
1: Thank you, guys. See ya. Take Bye-bye. care. Take care. <laughs>